Welcome back to the Mackinac, Michigan show brought to you by the Mackinac Center's Frank Beckman Center for Journalism here on WJR. I'm Kelly Cobb. And I'm Jared Scora. So we are just, I think, over a month into the UAW strikes, and they just keep hitting and coming and coming. A couple more plants now being shut down. Big moneymaker plants for the automotive uh, companies as well. We're joined by Daniel Howes, a senior editor, uh, focuses on business and a great columnist at the Detroit News. Dan, thanks for coming on. You bet. So we just had news that a couple more plants are shutting down, and they're the plants that make things that are like the the uh, Ram uh, pickup uh, for Stellantis, the Tahoe, the Suburban, the Escalade. These are the big money makers for these companies, are they not? They absolutely are, uh, particularly for General Motors. I mean, Arlington Assembly out in Texas is 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 really the mother load, and uh, for 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 General Motors, uh, the other one would be probably Flint Truck, which makes the the heavy duty uh, pickups for 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 GM. Uh, you know, there's no question that the UAW is really trying to turn up the flame here, as as I've referred to in my columns. They, they used to call this the, the union's heat and light show. They'll turn up the heat until the companies see the light. And yeah. uh, that's kind of what I think where we are right now. Uh, we're probably in more of an end run or an end, you know, the final lap or so. It's kind of how it feels a little bit. Mm. Uh, but I think that there's certainly more room to run and more plants to shut down. Uh, but this is where they're really hitting them where it hurts right now. Dan- Daniel, where um, what are, what are they far apart on or what are they apart on right now? I, I've. It's interesting to me because I'll, I'll see a media article or, or more often watch a T, TV program and they'll interview these workers and they'll say, we got to end tears. And it's like that was done in like the first three days. So I like what are the what are the, the points of disagreement? Well, I think one that we had a bit of a breakthrough yesterday was General Motors on battery plants. I think one of the real the real there's really kind of two foundational battles going on here, I think. One is an attempt by Sean Fain, uh, the new president, uh, to to recover what they, quote, lost uh, in 2007 and in 2009 after the bankruptcies of GM and Chrysler. Um, and that includes things like uh, retiree health care, pensions for all, meaning there wasn't just 401ks for certain kind of hires and pensions for pre-existing employees. Uh, there were issues like that that they, they're, they're trying to gain back. Uh, and the other is looking forward. Uh, as the industry electrifies and they have to build a lot of battery plants because you don't really convert um, existing powertrain plants to battery production. Totally different processes need a totally different footprint, totally different industrial process. Uh, so they, they're building these plants in places where they're going to have to hire new workers. They're not mm-hmm. necessarily going to be people, existing workers. And so the union wants to get uh, in on the ground there and get these plants covered under the National Master Agreement, uh, which also potentially would get them the same pay as the people under the National Master Agreement. And, oh, by the way, the union gets a cut in the member of everybody's paycheck. Mm-hmm. So... Um, as a percentage basis, as I understand it, not as a dollar basis. So uh, this is a real this is a real key battleground. And General Motors uh, agreed uh, announced yesterday during their earnings call uh, that they would have some agreement to, as Mary Barra said, um, put it within the scope of the national agreement. Now, yeah. To me, that's a little different than in the national agreement. 
Uh, but we don't really know what that means. But I think that's really an outstanding. And I think the final thing is you have a company yesterday in GM and Ford tomorrow afternoon that GM guided for operating profit, I think, of 12 to $14 billion in this calendar year. Uh, well, that is, classifies as uh, under what I call House Rule 104, thou shalt not give thine enemies a club to beat me with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, they, they, uh, they just did. And, and I, so I think, uh, I think Sean Fain kind of sees there's more blood to get out of this rock uh, if we just squeeze it a little bit harder. <laughs> and to be, on, to be honest, uh, you know, he, he criticized the car companies last week and said, you know, you say it's your last and final offer or insinuate that, say, you know, we can't give any more, and then you come back a day and a half later with a better offer. So which is it? Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think the companies are going to have to, if you're going to say it's the final offer, you, you damn well better mean it. Because yeah. otherwise they will keep squeezing to try and get more out, because I think there's a belief on the part of the union that this right now is a period of maximum leverage on these companies. Hmm. They're making a lot of money. Uh, overall, the market is is, is doing very well. Uh, the profit per vehicle is at record highs. Uh, they're still generating a lot of cash. Uh, and we don't know what the future is going to look like with electrification. There's some signals that it's not going to come as quickly as, as certainly General Motors and Ford had uh, thought it would. But it's probably still coming in some way, shape, or form. And so the question for the union is, how can we get as we need to get as much as we can get and get it locked in now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you can see that perspective, and you can you can see also of you know the stuff that they seem to find quick agreement on was the the shorter term costs within the contract. The the hard one is you know if you're talking pensions and retiree health care, you're trying to project these expenses decades from now. And I I remember the saying during the bankruptcy of you know General Motors was was an insurance company that happened to make some cars on the side because you know they had such yep. an immense number of the pensions and and the healthcare on the on the point on the uh, I I did see that point or you know where General Motors about some type of agreement on unionization of these other plants the mm-hmm. but that was that was somewhat vague and and you know some of these are they're co-owned with other companies sometimes the companies aren't even the majority owner so how can you promise uh to do that if, if it's a, another company's not signing on and then i know in tennessee they have a they passed a law where uh any companies getting subsidies they have to have a private ballot for unionization and so i wonder mm-hmm. if uh, how can you, you can't really Ain't promise that here. right that that conflict with state laws or these these other agreements is the uaw not care about that or they're aware of that and we just don't really know what's being worked on behind the scenes well i think i think and my understanding is that the labor law in some ways uh favors the union here under the biden uh um uh, national labor relations board there's an expectation that a joint venture would be declared a joint a joint employer and therefore you could have a unionized shop uh without the um agreement of one partner in this case it would be the south korean battery partner um how that all plays out it's very murky i talked to a labor lawyer about labor lawyers about it and it's it's not exactly clear because what, what we don't we don't know we don't know okay and we don't know what's in the actual letter of the jv agreements between general motors and the south korean partners for example and they have two and and four different battery they've got i think one partner for three of them and a second Korean partner for the final fourth one. So 
we don't really know how that's playing out. Uh, we do know it's a flashpoint and, and something that is, is very important to both sides um, and how they, they can work those details out. I think the other thing to bear in mind here is um, what the acrimony and the declarations of the end of teamwork between the UAW and automakers really means. Um, I think it is it is being tossed off by a lot of people, including people in the media, um, who don't really focus on the sweep of what we're living through here mm-hmm. and the historical significance. But I think basically you have had a president of the United Auto Workers that said all that history and rhetoric and action of uh, us working in a more modern way with the employer, that's over. You are now an adversary. Yeah. And yeah. for a company like Ford, particularly where people had, you know, have a real pride in working for what's called, they call Ford's, uh, and and for seeing Bill Ford, a, a descendant of Henry Ford, on the you know on the dais or making a speech or on the in the media or whatever, that's a big deal. And basically, um, Sean Fain kind of said, "I don't care." Yeah. And um, there's a lot of people in the industry um, on the company side that are really, I don't know if despondent is the right word, but. They're very depressed by that turn because I think they look at the competitive landscape and basically say, you don't get it. You do not get what we are facing. We are facing legacy manufacturers and startups and Tesla, all of whom, every single solitary one of them is non-union and, and, and operating here in the United States. Now, they may have some unions in Japan and Germany, but operating here in the United States – and I and I think there's a that's a fundamental misreading of kind of where we are. Yeah. Because if you're going to be if you're going to be paying, you know, premiums of thirty, forty, maybe even fifty percent above what your competitors are paying in all in labor costs, the question you have to ask yourself, I think, is what do I get for that premium? Yeah. And and they've already taken that hit and the suppliers are already laying people off. It's I mean the damage is huge. The Anderson Economic Group pegged it at $9.3 billion so far. Uh, you know, whether that's high or low is hard to say, but that includes supplier wages, suppliers of car companies who had to lay off people or people not getting their wages. And fascinatingly, it also includes the workers for the car companies who are only making 500 bucks a week out of the strike fund, which is only, you know, 12 bucks, 13 bucks an hour, a lot less than they would normally be making. Um, you know, uh, but but that's the damage that's been done, and let's hope this is over soon. Uh, Daniel Howes, we appreciate your time and, and expertise on this this morning. You bet. All right. And uh, we'll be back after a brief break with more of the Mackinac Michigan Show on WJR. Mm-hmm.